Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome back to the Weekend Review uh, section of Celtic Down Under. We've had a, a few weeks off summer sabbatical where there's not been much football happening. We've uh, had the Celtic Down Under somewhat streamlined. Uh, we should be joined by Anthony tonight, but he's having some technical issues at the moment, so he might join us later. Uh, even though we're not live, we were going to, we waited a little bit, but there's no actual sign of any resolution so hopefully we'll get it resolved and join in at some point other than that i'm joined by paul and tommy uh, myself sean hosting back in the hot seat paul how's your summer been so far i've seen you on some of the other guesting on the other celtic than under shows yep yep uh yeah it's been good um yeah the couple of slots um i think one or two yeah a couple so anyway yeah i did um the pot noodle uh and then did um the, the the tim talk as well with jared which was good fun um and then i was sick for nearly two weeks which wasn't great and then i'm just back from a week's leave um we had honeymoon in singapore um which was a brilliant week so uh yeah back first day back at work so obviously feeling fully excited by being back back at work but um yeah, a good weekend. Bumped into Tommy at a, a gig. The Inspiral car- Carpets were playing locally, which was really good. Um, but yeah, raring to go. Looking forward to um, the season kicking off properly um, on the weekend. Tommy, how's your... Oh, I'm saying, I keep saying summer. It's the Northern Hemisphere summer. It's the it's a minging winter down here for us. It's been raining pretty heavily. How have you been going? Yeah, I've been cold and wet for a large part of it, mate. Um out playing football in the wet, struggling with some injuries personally, trying to still play over 45s football. Quite enjoyed the break from all the Celtic stuff as well, to be honest. I mean, as much as I love Celtic, as Paul knows, and 
probably said on here before, I get do get a bit stressed and a bit anxious about how things are going and week to week and um, that sort of thing. So I've enjoyed enjoyed the break, um, but really quite excited about this, um, about the new season and how the team's looking and looking forward to seeing the the impact that Brendan Rodgers can make an already very good team. Yep, and we've, as you said, we've had uh, not too much to see so far. Uh, we had that one, uh, well, two games against in Portugal against Porto Mi, I can't say the name Porto Mianzo, Porto Mianzo. The one where there was like no match reports whatsoever. Uh, then the second one, I think it was was it four one we won something like that. Uh, kind of started to get more of us the international players back at that point. Tour of Japan, uh, which was mixed. We had that six uh, four. Uh, victory, uh, defeat, excuse me, uh, against Gamba, uh, Gambo Osaka and the 1-0 victory, no, excuse me, Yokohama, 6-4 defeat yeah. to Yokohama Marinos and 1-0 yeah. victory over Gamba Osaka. Uh, before we get into the Wolves game, which was obviously uh, rescheduled from our proposed Korean trip, which would have been great for announcing those two Korean players the same week, but uh, as it was, the competition organisers were apparently financially negligent so we had to move it to Dublin where we managed to get 30,000 fans at the last minute which is good but probably could have been better um what did we take from uh Japan first of all before we get into the Wolves game anything as you mentioned Tommy Brendan Rogers first look at it did you what did you get out of the Japan trip I didn't see the second game so I only saw about 70 minutes of the first game and it looked like our first preseason game. We looked pretty rusty. Some of the goals we did, we conceded were quite poor. Um, Hart giving away one. Then I think Taylor was caught at the back post, and then the goals later on um, weren't really good. But having said that, in patches, some of the football going forward, um, we looked really good on the break. In particular, I think I think that's something that's going to amp up even more this year. Just um, that effectiveness on the break. We looked really, really dangerous. Um, but aside from that, as I said, didn't see the Gamba game, so I can't really comment on that. Nice to get a win, see Burnaby get a goal. Um, but yeah, just um, just nice to see the team back on, on the pitch and that lovely new kit. Yeah, uh, which is really grown on us, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it is, yeah. Maybe not so much the long sleeve, but certainly the home one. Paul, are you happy with the strip? Have you picked up any significant changes from the Japan games so far? So the kit's ordered, um, it's on its way, uh, and I've paired that order with the uh, 89-91 yellow and green away kit as well. So that was one of my favourites as a kid, uh, probably the second away kit I had as a kid, so I've, uh, I'm rolling back the years and ordered that, so hopefully it fits. Uh, I've not ordered the same size as I had when I was a kid, thankfully. Uh, the Jap- I thought the Japan trip was was a good exercise. Um, look, obviously conditions were, were decent. Um opportunity just to obviously get some some kit look it's, to me a lot of times before we've sort of branched out and played these further afield games we've gone to europe and we've played lower level teams like traditionally that's what we did we went and played lower level teams so we could give them a spanking and probably like learn nothing whereas we've come to japan we're playing okay osaka aren't having a great season but they're traditionally a big and strong club and we're playing two teams right bang in the middle of their season you could see the, the difference, particularly in the in the Yokohama uh, Ross match, you could see the difference in fitness. Um, they were up and running. I think I said on the group chat that we we have across the, the you know sort of down under um, podcast group that that's as, they're, they're they're probably as good a side as we will play domestically. Um, 
and the difference really is that they were fully match sharp and we we weren't. So, but as Tommy said, you know, in the first half, all the like we lost six goals, and I, you know, some of them, the, you know, there's good football involved, but all of them there's some sloppiness. Some is really sloppy. Some of it is just. You know, a bit of dis. You know, I thought they were a bit disjointed at the back, which is understandable given all the changes in that back line. There's, you know, it, that happens. And um, so even the goals that were well worked by by Yokohama, I thought, I thought they were, they they were, they could have been defended better with usual unit, and obviously it wasn't. Uh, but going forward, we've to me they've come out of the traps flying, um, barely barely a break in in things from last season. Um, Hatati's pass to Abada to the to the square for for Mieda to finish is just that piece of football is just sublime, um, and I'm so like I've, I've talked about this a lot, and I think a few of us haven't been very excited to see if Abada would get more game time and and would you know hang around, and it looks like the noises are coming out that that's going to be the case. He's got an opportunity to stick a skill. He started every every key preseason game. He's looked sharp, and, and to be honest, the front six have looked great, and there's probably because there's a fair amount of stability there. Um, Meira looked brilliant through the middle, um, and obviously got three goals in that first match. Um, and then look, it, we've got you know, it's the gold cliche, and I've heard the other guys joking about it, but this time of year, it's just it's all minutes in the legs, isn't it? So, you know, we've got a big squad. Um, there's a lot of new guys just being filtered in, and some of you know across the three matches they've had some game time. So um, decent exercise, yeah. I think worth worth doing. Um, and, and yeah, like the real stuff obviously starts next week, but uh, we sort of turned it up a notch, I guess, in terms of competitiveness. Yesterday um, on Saturday. Yeah, I wonder. Um, we spent a lot of time saying that uh, you know is two strikers enough, and then um, my consistent position has been. Yes, it's fine because we've got Maeda as the third choice. Uh, and he kind of stuck his stuck his claim in where that first half hat trick is not just a, a third choice, but, uh, you know, what he does for Japan, which is, he's, I guess, he's ahead of Kyogo in the, the pe- pecking order for Japan. So he's he, he kind of always the one who should be uh, worried uh, based on that performance. Tommy, did you, was there shades of Jamie Vardy for you and how uh, Maeda was deployed? Uh, up front against Marinos? Um, well, you could say that, um, but that certainly wasn't what, what sprung to mind for me. For me, I was just um, surprised at how lively he actually looked through the middle because he's played through the middle for us a few times under Ange and I didn't think he's looked quite as effective. He always looks more effective on the left, but in that game, he just looked particularly dangerous. He was always getting on the end of everything and he actually took his goals really well because that's one thing. That would put Kyogo off a bit ahead of him on is just his his uh, coolness and his calmness in front of goal normally and ability to finish like the goal he scored yesterday. So, um, but it was certainly good. It gives us another option. It's good to have that flexibility. He never stops running. The pressure he gives us up there, so you don't really lose that aspect if Kyogo's not there. Um, so it's good to have that option. And yeah, look, I agree with you with with Maeda and Kyogo, and then oh, do we really need another striker? Probably not. I think there's other areas of the park that um, we probably want to strengthen before um, the striker position. Well, we are going to have a, a bit of a the second half. We can't talk about uh, a preseason friendly for a whole podcast, so we are going to have a little look at some potential transfer targets later, and we can kind of assess that at that point. But I think, uh, other than that, it's probably a good segue to to kind of go on to 
the what is the second the penultimate preseason friendly, which was uh, in Dublin at Aviva Stadium, we had thirty thousand fans. Um, I don't think too many of them were Wolves fans, uh, but I'm sure there was a few in there. And uh, we did have after we mentioned Maeda being deployed through the middle. Uh, he was he was back out in the wing uh, with Kyogo restored to the middle, and and the other opposite wing was. Um, or the player who's probably, as you mentioned earlier, guys, the the one that's we're expecting to maybe stick around and have a big role was Abada. We then had McGregor, O'Reilly, and Hatate as our midfield. Not overly surprising and not too many changes, but I guess where we looked a bit short was the back five. And and again, that was kind of mentioned in our, our group chat. So we had Joe Hart, uh, we had the Wata at right back, Welsh and Scales at centre back, and uh, Taylor at left back. Paul, what did you make of the back five, first of all? Yeah, well, I mean, the team sorry, sheet... Before and during the game and after. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of how I was going to answer it. But, um, yeah, before the match, you go... One, you've got a slight concern because no star fell, which later came out that, you know, there was a bit of an ankle injury and you expect him to play a bit of time um, tomorrow night in the James Forrest testimonial. Um, Apparently, Navrovsky has the identical injury somehow as well. Yeah. Uh, is it Navrocki or Navroski? No, I think. Uh, anyway, I think yeah, Navrocki. Okay, so yeah, and and obviously yeah, he's got a slight knock as well, which I think we apparently knew who he was signing. So, um, obviously disappointing that that neither of those two you know were available. But um, and on the face of it, you think well, Wolves are a, a decent attacking unit. You, you'd think, uh, you know, there could be some struggle there. But uh, I actually thought Scales uh, and Welsh acquitted themselves pretty well, um, considering. Um, they, you know, there was no major clangers uh, and they sort of, you know, bar a, penalty, late, a very late penalty that they were pretty close to being part of a t- defence that held a clean sheet. Um, the Tomoki Iwata, I thought, actually filled in pretty well at, at right back, um, given he was up against Neto most of the time and, and he was a, a massive handful, um, probably their best player. Um, my concern was actually Greg Taylor. I, I thought he... You know, we, we, we've all given heaped praise on him of how he was deployed and how he rose to that, um, I guess, change in tactic under Ange in terms of inverting. But, but I think, you know, put him up against a high-class winger, skillful, quick, and ask him to, to be a traditional fullback against that, he looked, he looked in trouble. He did look in trouble. And I think that's where the concern is when we talk about progression and we talk about, you know, stepping up in Europe, that there's a genuine concern around him against that Champions League class of winger. And and we saw it. He got absolutely roasted by, I think it was Nunes. Uh, and he got, you know, he, he all he could do was grab him by the shirt and he got a booking in a friendly because of that. Um, and, and really with him being sort of asked to play in that more traditional sort of wider fullback position, you could see his limitations again, um, which is a bit of a shame. I, like, I kind of hoped that Rogers would would at least persist with him. In, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting both sides to invert all the time, but he showed himself to add so much value in that position. His awareness is great. He can pick a pass. He works between space well, um, but he hasn't. You know, we've seen pockets of that, but it doesn't look like that's how he's going to be deployed for the most part. And I, I felt like he was, he was, he was, he was struggling. Yes, it's still preseason, but based on that and how he looks to be being deployed, 
I can absolutely understand why there's calls and the support for, you know, remote. when we've we've talked about reinforcements at left back for a while because despite his goal against the Saka, we you know we probably don't think Bernabe's a a left back per se. He might end up being a converted winger or something, but it's clearly a bit of a player there. But he's he's probably not an out and out left back, and and so Taylor needs sort of challenge there anyway. But if yeah. he's going to be deployed like that, I think there's limitations. So I, I can absolutely understand. And Joe Hart's a whole separate thing, which I don't want to log hog too much time on. We'll cover that, I guess, in more detail in a second. But um, I was an advocate for him actually sticking around this season and trying to find somebody maybe in the, the the January window to challenge and maybe take over before the end of the season, but certainly be ready for next season. But um, I, I've got more reservations after the first few games of the season. Now, it could just be rustiness or it could be him coming to a natural kind of decline but I don't want to write him off too soon but cert- I certainly think we should be on the basis that Seagrist never looks like he's going to step up and wants to probably move to Australia to be with his missus and um, Bain is nowhere near it we definitely need another keeper whether that's a, a pressure on heart or out and out replacement we need another goalkeeper yeah I mean I think when Rogers was appointed a lot of the reflection at the time was that Greg Taylor was one who was at risk because uh, he did suit the, the Ange system so well, which is a somewhat unique system for uh, fullbacks, and it was to do with the fact that Greg Taylor was a centre mid before he was moved to left back, so he kind of fit that. But again, when you think back to Tierney and the likes uh, under Rogers' previous regimes, there, there's a lot more for uh, fullbacks bombing down the outside uh, and getting in around which is more of a, a kind of Guardiola-style system. Tommy, who would you... I know there's a lot of injuries. The two right-backs are injured, and Johnson and Ralston. We've got the three centre-backs injured, at least temporarily, in Carter Vickers, Starfield and Navrocki. What would you expect the, the line? And, and left-back, is this, despite having both the left-backs available, what would you be kind of expecting the, the back four to be uh, against Ross County next weekend? Because I would assume the Bilbao game is really going to factor in injuries strongly, but what would you expect for, for Saturday against Ross County? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, just obviously it's on based on who's going to be fit and available. I don't even know what's up with Ralston, to be honest. Um, I know obviously Johnson had a recurrence of his ankle while he was on duty um, with Canada, so I know he's out for a bit. Um, the injuries are a real concern. It's probably the one thing that's sort of making me a little bit nervous about the start of the season, more than normal. Mm-hmm. It's just the amount of injuries we are having up. It's like you don't want to sort of get into that habit of getting into a run of them. It can happen to any team in any sport in the world. You get a run of injuries, and it just seems to keep going. So hopefully we yeah. can get the guys back sooner than later. But in terms of the, the, the back four on Saturday, you've got to start Taylor at left back. It's clearly the best option we've got. But I totally agree with Paul and what he said, and it was really noticeable yesterday. 
that the fullbacks weren't really inverting much at all. And it's not really Taylor's game. He's never been that strong um, guy getting forward up and down the line. You put a ball in behind Taylor, you get him turned, he's in trouble a lot of the time. He can run all day, but he doesn't have a lot of pace. Um, but he's got to start. I'm assuming that Starfelt will be available, so he's you know one of the first names you'd have on the team sheet. Um, right back, you, you've got to stick with the water, I think. He's, he's been playing there all pre-season. Um, there's no really other options. So and then it's just really, who do you play at centre-half? Um, and then for me, I mean, I thought both the centre-halves were actually really good just um, on Saturday. I thought they, they coped with Wolves high press pretty well and they played the ball around well. They looked calm in possession. Um, so I thought they both done really well. So it'd be a toss-up and a, between for, way, um, Welsh and Scales for me. And I'd maybe lean towards Scales just on the fact that he's left-sided and then he could play uh, Starfelt on his on his better side as well. Um, but you could really toss a coin. And then that really depends as well on you know what the Polish guy is like. What's his fitness like? Is he ready to go? Is he fit? So, um, But that's probably the way I would go. It'd be a toss of the coin between Scales and Welsh. You've got to just, assume that Kobe Ashi's injured, given that you know three centre backs. Yeah, he got injured. He got injured in that first game against yeah. um, Marinovs. Oh, and that's he right. Came off yeah. and he's, I think he's out for a little while. Um, yeah. Just to, if I can jump in, just on that. Look, I think I said this in the group chat. Um, if we have to go into Ross County with Scales and Welsh, like if there's any doubt that there's a bit of injury hanging around from Startfelt. I wouldn't be risking him against Ross County at home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they'll, they'll, it'll be difficult for us and stuff, but the the boost of flag day and all the rest of it, you know, if they can cope against a Wolves team, admittedly a week or so behind us in fitness, then they should be have enough to to cope with cope with Ross County. So if we have to go in with it, it's not as far from ideal, but if you're three, now three better centre-backs are all injured to some degree, then options four and five or five and six need to fill in. Well, even option five is injured, right? So one, two, three, well, yeah, five we, uh, are all injured. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, um, or, or, or two, three, fourth, and four. Fourth and sixth. So it might be five, fifth, or, or it might be fifth and sixth choice. You know what I mean? So it's up yeah. there anyway. So look, realistically, Scales is probably going to move on if we get everybody back to fitness relatively quickly. You, you know, by all accounts, Aberdeen are keen to get him back on a permanent deal. Um, you'd think that would happen if we can be confident we've got enough cover in there um it might end up pushing towards the end of the window and i think dave Corm- uh, dave cormack's come out and said as much that they are they expect to do more deals but it'll be closer to the end of the window so i would imagine scales is probably one of those um i think he played okay but let's be honest he's he's not an upgrade on what's already there and if we're if we're adding more in the mix we want them to be an upgrade on what we've already got not a downgrade I've seen Ross County scored 13 goals across four games in their League Cup, but they didn't have any top-flight opposition in there. It was Morton, Morton Kelty Hearts, Stranran, Edinburgh City. So uh, Morton, who went through and managed to get a, a draw, a visit to, to Ibrooks as, uh, you know, balls in the, the freezer kind of thing, whereas we're, what, uh, we're away to Kilmarnock. One of only two all-SPFL all all Premiership games. Uh, what's the other one? Motherwell against oh, St. Mirren. I think that's the other one. So yeah. we're up against it to start with. Um, yeah, sorry. I don't want to move on from the Wolves game. That was just that just seemed relevant to what we're talking about. Uh, so we then had um, sort of midfield three, McGregor, O'Reilly, Hitati. Uh, were we noticing much 
different about the way that they were playing. Uh, we then also had Quan and Holm come on later, uh, a couple of new boys. To me, they've shown a bit of dig, the new boys, which I, I mean, across the board, Quan and Holm in particular, uh, and across these pre-season friendlies. Uh, and I wonder if, you know, McPherson, is that just because of all injuries? Probably. Um, I think the, the chat is he's on his way to um, Belgium with Oliver Yemi and the other one, who's the two that have gone to Belgium on uh, Austria, sorry, on loan. Uh, who am I talking about here? Question. I know the goalkeeper's one. Um, uh, yeah, he's I can't remember the other one. Uh, Joey Dawson, the the young striker. Is it? Is it? I'm pretty sure it was the young striker, Joey Dawson. Played against St. Johnson for his a year and a half ago, I think, when Kyogo was injured. But yeah, apparently McPherson's heading over there once the our injury crisis kind of eases up a bit. Uh, and as you mentioned, Scales is probably hanging around for the same reason. Uh, but yeah, how did the midfield go uh, in this game in general? Um, is this what we expect to see uh, going to start the games on against Ross County, Hitati, O'Reilly and McGregor? Tommy, what do you reckon? I think I think it's pretty clear that's what will most likely happen. Um, it is. It's, I mean, it's probably the strongest midfield three over the last eighteen months since we got O'Reilly and Hitati in. Um, so I think you definitely go with them. I did like the look of the um, the big central midfielder Quan when he came on yesterday. Look, you know, there's a few tackles flying in. He wasn't afraid to um, give it out. Look, look good on the ball. Good touch. So he looked good. It let McGregor get a little bit further forward. Um, one thing I did notice yesterday in the first half was. Um, McGregor seemed to be trying to get forward a little bit more. He tried to be making some some deeper runs and getting forward and actually getting beyond to Tati and O'Reilly and he just and getting into the box. So I think maybe that's something else that we'll maybe see from Cal Mike this year. Because uh, if you if, remember when Rogers was here the first time, he was being played as a right winger by Ronnie Dyler and then Rogers brought him in and then started molding him into the player that he's become. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a um, bit more interchangeability with the midfield three. Um, but I think you've definitely got to start with um, Hitati and O'Reilly. And I think Hitati, along with Abada, is primed to have a huge season for us, to be honest. I think they're just going to go to the next level. So, Paul, you can uh, address it in general, but I'm going to ask a leading question first. Uh, do you think that, um, sorry, Quan, is that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm struggling with these names. So <laughs> Rusty, uh, is Quan the prince that was promised uh, last year uh, when we signed Abelgard? Do you think Quan is that one that's, brought in to kind of add a bit of uh, physicality, height, uh, steel to the team? Well, he certainly, look, on the space of, I don't know what we saw, 20, 30 minutes of him, it's a bit hard to to, to say for sure and definitively that that's, you know, he's going to fit that more. But he's certainly, he's certainly in the same sort of physical stature. Um, you know, he's, I think he's 6'3". Um, he, you know, Tommy's point, he looks like he's got a little bit of dig and he's he's willing to mix it, which is great. Um, you know, you quite often, you sometimes get these guys that are 6'3 and, you know, blow over on a, a strong breeze. So it does look like he's got something about him. Uh, neat and tidy um, on the little bit of play that we saw. Um, so, yeah, it, it, we, we obviously, Awata sort of suffered from being, um, you know, being able to cover multiple positions because really we've not seen him get a sustained run in where we think his best position is, is, is potentially a defensive midfield or at least, you know, more of an eight. So we thought maybe he was the guy who was going to come in and potentially sit alongside Cal as as potentially a bit of a double pivot. Now we've got Quan and, and 
you know, by all accounts, you know, home could can can flip between that deeper lying and and that attacking role as well. And and it's certainly good to have options. Um and, and in the in the chat we talk about in a bit about potential um other targets. I've I've got some sort of comments that link back to this, but we're starting to add in cover in that area. So t- to me, we've talked a lot about in the past, we've talked a lot about needing a champion. If we want to progress in Europe, a Champions League quality number six. Now it doesn't look like like a Champions League ready number six beyond Cal. It doesn't look like that's what we're gonna do. Like it looks like we're gonna have Cal and another. Um and probably they'll be like to your point, Sean, they'll be a bit more dynamic in that midfield three. Um with a for the for the minute O'Reilly holding that sort of number 10 as opposed to two eights um and, and being the furthest forward of that midfield trio. But we know that they can all interchange in terms of obviously he, you know, O'Reilly um O'Reilly covered Cal for that period when he was injured. So it it makes sense that um you know if they are going to have more fluidity in that midfield three and O'Reilly's in there, he can he can rotate through that if, if one of them goes. They just gotta be a bit I guess that would be a more, yeah, like I said, that would be a more fluid system in midfield. And if they're going to do that, as any of us have played the game, you're just, your communication needs to be be so good because you can't all be going in one direction at the same time. So I don't know, back to the original point, I think once uh, one to watch, um, you know, he, he's one of them that he could, he could just fly forward or he might just need a season of, of sort of bedding in. But it's, you know, it's good we're getting these players. He's highly rated um, and we've had success from that region before. So fingers crossed with, you know, it's good to ha- add a decent amount of height because we're a pretty short team squad overall, really, if you think about it, even the centre-backs aren't that tall. So anyone that's on the video version may have noticed a mirage of Anthony appearing and, and disappearing there. He, he may yet join us, we're not sure. I was about to ask his opinion on uh, whether uh, Quan and Holm were actually ahead of uh, Turnbull in the pecking order or whether it was just a case of getting a look at the new faces in a pre-season game and to be honest I think it probably was that uh, and I'm going to stick a pin in the Turnbull conversation because that's going to be very relevant later when we do discuss uh, homegrown transfer targets so we can just stick a pin in that one for now uh, just to wrap up the Wolves game though we will uh, have a little talk about the, the front line so we had uh, Kyogo, uh, Abada, Maeda now Abada is really obviously the big focal point for what's been happening this off-season in terms of we were expecting him to go. And he's still here. And he's looking like he's interested and wanting to be here. And he looks like he might even raise a level. Which, again, to give credit to to pat ourselves on the back and some other Celtic podcasts, not just ourselves, uh, Abada was one that was pinpointed as potentially uh, getting a Rogers renaissance uh, to get a really forced and horrible portmanteau into there. Um, so, and the other two, Kyogo and Maeda, signed contract extensions, and and they both look like they're going to just pick up where they left off, if not even raising at a level. Uh, so, Tommy, any comments on the front three? Uh, any, even maybe even on what you saw from Yang when he came off the bench, or Aksibanovic overall, who's maybe been disappointing too? Any thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, I think we've touched on Abada obviously a little bit already tonight, but Abada, you know, as I said, he looks really sharp. He looks as if he's going to take the next next step, I reckon, this year. You've got to remember, he's only 21 or something like that. He's still really, really young, so he's still got a lot of development in him, and he couldn't be working under a better manager to uh, to bring him on and add more to his game. So really excited to see him. Kyogo and Maeda have just done yesterday exactly what they do every week, you know, just the pressing, 
particularly I found in the first probably 20, 25 minutes when we were really on top, they're pressing. Wolves couldn't handle the pressing up top and it created a lot of turnovers and it's where we got the goal. Um, so, I mean, they, if, as long as they stay fit as well, I mean, I can see Kyogo scoring probably 40 goals this year if he stays fit for the full season. And Maeda, as we spoke, he brings a, a lot to the team and now he's maybe got that versatility giving us another option through the middle. So, really exciting. Um, Yang, I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I didn't see enough of him yesterday. He looked, there was one point, where I think, not long after he came on where he got the ball, took it inside and wasn't afraid to have a ping with his left, which is good. You know, it's showing a bit of confidence. Um, but similar with the with this uh, with Quan, the central midfielder, it's hard to sort of get a gauge on what these guys are really going to be like and and what they can bring to the team over the long term. But um, you'd like to think that they'll they'll pre- provide some competition at least um, for the guys that are in possession. Haksabanovic, just not sure if he where he's going to fit in. He just doesn't seem to have the same pace. It reminds me a bit of Scott Sinclair in that he's tricky on the ball. He's better on the left, and he likes to get in and have cut in on the cut in from the left, and then try and have that shot. Um, I'm just not sure if if he's going to be, and I could be eating my words here in a few months' time, but I'm just not sure if he's going to fit into to the way we are playing. Just not sure mm-hmm. if he's dynamic as the other the other guys we've got up there, and I think that really brings a a, a big power of difference to our team where we are up up top. Paul, anything you want to add on that, particularly on Haksibanovic, who's been the big talking point, I guess, over the three games? It's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Like, there's clearly, he's clearly a talented player. Um, but it's like to Tommy's point is, you know, where where does he fit? It, you know, I don't really think he's a winger, if I'm honest. Um, is he a 10? Has he got the work rate um, to be a 10 in a, in a high-pressing system? Is he... He definitely offers so I when he came on in the was it, was it League Cup final, he came on the League Cup final. Um and we, you know, we were under the cosh a little bit, so we were playing on the counter. He he looked he looked great in pockets, but then just his final ball or his final t- wasn't quite there. And look, that's probably because he's he wasn't completely match sharp. But weirdly, I think he might offer something in the Champions League, which, you know, because there's that space to run into. Um but ahead, you know, equally made as obviously lightning. So he's got that advantage as well. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what Rogers does with him. If, if he can, if he can get more of a tune out of him. Um, he's certainly talented. He's, you know, he's got good feet. He scored some nice goals. But yeah, I, he hasn't. It's what he, and, and a couple of this happened a couple of times last season. He got opportunities after cameos where he came on and scored or, you know, played well. And then he got a start and, he never really looked. He never really grabbed that opportunity. He st- hasn't really done that, and it seems to be in the case in, in preseason as well. So it's, I don't know what's hey, going to happen. Uh, you're disparaging the 2022 November Player of the Month there. Calm yourself. I think. Yeah. That, no, that I, look, I, I'd love to. I'd love to see him push on, but um, it, it, it's like we, we are heavily loaded with pseudo wingers and you know now midfielders. So yeah, you're not wrong. It'd be interesting to see how he. And we still want more, right? We're still talking about a proper out-and-out left winger to replace Jota at that kind of similar level or higher. And we're also talking about a Champions League quality number 10 to to be a level up from um, O'Reilly and, or, or at least try and push O'Reilly to, to compete at that level. So if we do get either of both of those in the remaining four or five weeks b- before the window closes, I do wonder about the future for Haksabanovic, but it'd be interesting to see what Rogers can do with him. Mm-hmm. 
So obviously, uh, as the game overall went, uh, we just to kind of summarise it up quickly. We kind of dominated the first half, uh, and you, you kind of touched on earlier that that might have been down to um, uh, the, the the relative stages of preseason that we're at compared to Wolves. Uh, we made a lot of changes kind of within uh, after an hour, and and Wolves kind of got into the game at that point, and. You know, Kyogo scores the goal, Hitati and Kyogo both hit the bar, all within the first 12 minutes. So we, we really were out the traps, uh, dominating them at that point. Uh, and then the, the big talking point, uh, oh yeah, you, you mentioned Joe Hart and, and looking shaky throughout the game. And again, that's been a consistent uh, thread through all the preseason games. But the, the big talking point, obviously the contentious point and related to one other Scottish team's preseason form as well, is uh, was... Uh, Paul, we'll start with you. Was that a penalty? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No so we had a quick chat before we came on here, Sean. And um, basically, um, CLX TV were quick to call it a Todd Cantwell, weren't they? So. Um, let's address that. Um, and he's the play, I can't remember the. I think, oh, it was Doherty, wasn't it? So Doherty. he's 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 looking for it, right? So he's definitely looking for it. And I guess by the letter of the law, there is simulation there because he's anticipating the contact and he's already on his way down. I've looked at and, and we had a chat. You know, we also had the, a couple of us had a chat about this before we came on out. We've seen the replay from multiple angles, and it's still not clear if there's any contact or not. What you can say is. Hart isn't pleased at all. So he thinks that 100% he's dived and he's definitely gone looking for it. In in Doherty's defense, if there is a defense for him, Hart doesn't pull his arm out, right? He doesn't he, he, he doesn't change the direction of his arm once he's coming towards him. So I think that's probably minimal contact, but potentially contact. And rightly or wrongly, and I think wrongly by the letter of law, but if there's any contact, pretty much referees give it. So whether the player's looking for the contact or the contact is what is initiated, 95% of the time they get given. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was soft. Um, he's not going anywhere. So if you're going to be hypercritical of Hart, he doesn't really have to rush him where he is. He's he's quite wide in the box between the six yard and 18 yard line and in the channel. You know, he doesn't need to come out to that degree. He could just narrow his angle and hold his ground. Uh, he was a couple other quirky things he did where that other one from a super tight angle, it somehow got under him and hit the post and popped out. Um, in his defense, he had a really good save late on just before the penalty. Um, and he did, he's brave to, to somebody's feet at the end of the first half. So he wasn't without, you know, he wasn't without some redeeming features. 
Um, but yeah, he gave the ref a decision to make, and more often than not, they'd give it. So yeah, on the balance, like I, I'd be quite happy if we got it, and I wouldn't be surprised to have it given against us. So, Tom, do you think uh, Hart should be doing better in that case, or and also do you think if VAR should be overturning it? What do you, what did you reckon? Well, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I only saw it quickly before we come on. As I mentioned, okay. um, so I haven't seen it as, as much as Paul. At my first glance, it's really soft. Um, but Hart, to Paul's point, he doesn't really need to charge out there and give the referee a decision to make. It's quite wide in the box. He's not really going anywhere. You know, if he just sort of holds back, holds his ground, then he doesn't give the guy the opportunity to dive. There's no chance for the penalty. So I think just overall, Hart has just looked a little bit shaky in preseason. Don't know whether it's um, rust or, or whatever, but even just um, there was one point he passed the ball straight to a Wolves player and kicked the ball out of play. So realistically, he's been great for us uh, since we got him. He's exactly what we needed at the time. Um, but I think for us, if we want to push on and take the next step in Europe, that's definitely one position that we should be looking at because Segrist doesn't give me any more confidence, in fact, less than, than Hart does in we don't need to talk about what being does as well. So um, definitely an area that I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure that it's been looked at. Yeah, and my opinion on the penalty is that, um, look, if I'm refereeing a game and I see that, I'm not giving a penalty just because the way the player's gone down. So as you say, as a simulation, and like, when I'm refereeing, I don't have VAR, like I'm just doing amateur. So if I see someone throwing their arms in there like that, I'm like, right, okay, he's whether regardless of the level of contact he's playing for that and since i can't see clearly i'm just going to go with what's obvious which is this guy's chucked his arms in there um but in a world of var i think whatever the referee gives in that situation you can't you can't be overturning it like as you mentioned paul there's no clear contact there's no clear gap there's not not nothing is clear about it in any direction uh, so I think just whatever happens is whatever happens. In terms of the Todd Campbell one, that one is much clearer. Uh, he's already halfway to the ground before the goalkeeper gets near him. Uh, so that one is a clear simulation. Uh, the way it generally works is you don't have to give things chronologically. Like if they're close enough, it's you know you award them as being you consider them to be happening at the same time, and you and you give the one that's more serious offence. Uh, but um, Generally, it's chronologically you give things happening with. So if it's um, if he's sim- started the simulation, then there's been contact by the goalkeeper. Technically, it's the simulation that should be punished if there's enough of a gap there. So uh, yeah, like I can see the one. I can see that happening at Ibrox in four weeks' time. Right. That's that's why we're talking about it at all, right? Because we know this is going to happen. There's another team in Glasgow that have scored five goals in pre-season and four of them have been penalties or something like that. I, I, I'm not sure if that's the actual number, but it's something along those lines, right? So we we can see this coming down the road. We, we've already got referees on the back pages and it's only League Cup pre-season time, right? Did you see the Kevin Clancy thing? No, I haven't seen that. It was, um, who's the Motherwell manager now? Uh, Stuart Kettlewell? Kettlewell, yeah. Yeah, he was going nuts because, um, so Motherwell needed like, they needed some uh, goal difference in Kelty Hearts to drop points or whatever for mm. seeding for the cup. Mm. And so they're three, they, they'd won the game, it was three or four now, but they needed like one, these more goals for seeding. And um, Kevin Clancy played five seconds of injury time when there'd been 10 subs and a head knock. And he played five seconds of injury time. And Stuart, it was a back page of paper, Stuart Kelly was going nuts. Was so, yeah, so so we know like these these things. Yeah. Even though it's a preseason friendly, what was it matter, right? 
like it's relevant right it's all and it's going to like you can put a pin in uh, like a bookmark in this and we'll come back to it in four weeks time and we'll say we had this conversation you know uh any more comments on the wolves game before uh move on to our transfer targets uh section one one thing I would say is just one thing I noticed yesterday and I noticed it a little bit in Yokama game is we seem to be going a little bit more direct, a little bit more often instead of, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we did a little bit last year as well under Ajna to say we were always trying to work the ball up to the edge of the box, but it seems to be more of an emphasis in times to, you know, getting that ball forward quickly and getting in behind. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to see how that develops through the season. I feel like that was a more a second half tactic from Ange. Like as in the players would go mm. in at half time and Ange would be like, just get it for you know, it felt like they came mm. out and did it at the start of second half in response to whatever blast they got. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Paul. Just the interplay between sort of uh leave Cal out of it to some degree, but the front five or six is just was was really good, especially in that first half. Like we, we okay, we hit that we hit the woodwork twice, but in terms of other opportunities carved out, be even beyond hitting the woodwork, we could have been three or four um in the first half and then we've yeah we discussed the penalty because it's relevant to the heart discussion but in terms of a future game it's not you know not an issue the the couple of bits i like like hatati's from off the crossbar post from the angle was brilliant same same with kyogo the the couple i really liked was um Matt O'Reilly got like right before halftime Matt O'Reilly got in I think on a quick free kick and again like nipped in and might be McGregor that played it in behind O'Reilly's off and running like he has been a few times last season and he doesn't look up for once he just pings it and to be fair to him he pings it where a badder usually is which is lurking at that back like coming in off his wing and lurking at the back post but in this case a badder's actually peeled off for a cutback which to be fair O'Reilly quite often likes to look for a cutback rather than a fizzer so um just a disconnect in pre-season I guess because you know those two haven't played as often in the second half of last season as maybe they had they, they would have done in, in you know the season before so um that was a good good bit of play and the other one I was going to know it was um on the other side Abara did really well got in behind did a really well a decent cross in the middle and Kyogo's movement just to the dummy to let it flow through to Maeda and he should do better with the finish. Like he'll be disappointed with the finish, but just that interplay between those guys already this early in the season to Tommy's point with the tatty in behind as well. You know, we, we could, we could be looking absolutely on fire in the front section, which to be fair early in the season, we might have to be because we're probably going to leak a few goals from the back if we don't get the back line sorted out. But um, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic that, that, that the front four or five um six are, are already up and running and and looking looking good for the start of the season so it's quite exciting and and we think we'll probably not to mention the the, the additions that we've already made that are probably going to you know build themselves into a season but we think that there might be one or two first team ready people well i certainly do um i certainly think there might be one or two first team ready signing still to come before the window closes out well, that's the, the Fabrizio Romano chat is that Celtic are expecting, they weren't expecting to lose Jota and they are expecting to, to go out and find a replacement. So Yeah, I was reading that just before we came on air as well. I noticed that the first time I, I think it was about, yeah, last night or something. It was or early this morning it was posted, but I just got to there. Yeah. So that kind of leads into uh, the second part of our show, which is, I guess, the kind of second, the, the th- final third at the moment. Um, so the state, I guess it's, not so much a scattergun, right? Because obviously a lot of the chat is like at the moment is what's our 
what range of value should we be looking at to sign players? Because look, the vast majority of players we're going to sign nowadays is, is names we just don't know, right? Navrovki, who had who had heard of Navrovki before we signed him, right? I'd, I'd say maybe one percent, if that, of Celtic fans, right? It's mostly going to be, and he's probably the closest to first team ready out of the five we've signed. Now, I know a lot of us down here had heard of Telio, and and then maybe Liam had heard of the Japanese boys, but really, again, we're the one percenters, right? And that kind of when we're talking about these names. So when you look at our squad, right, we've got on our website, we've got 32 uh, first team players listed. Of those, uh, four uh, or five rather are club developed. Uh, and that's Ralston, Welsh, um, McGregor, Forrest and Mikey Johnston. So in terms of Champions League profile, that's we need we can have four we need to have four of those to have a full squad uh, and then we can also have four uh country developed players and again we have four of those at the moment and that's bain uh taylor turnbull and james mccarthy so you would assume players like james mccarthy and forrest are getting on the fringes of that or mikey johnson like you'd, you'd guess the four club developed ones is going to be mcgregor ralston welsh and then Forrest, maybe Mikey Johnson. Not sh- really sure about that. With Mikey's uh, injury, it's probably going to be Forrest in it. Mikey's Mikey's out for about three months, I think. So that'll take us probably past the start of the Champions League. Yeah, we could also look at it as uh, just can James McCarthy and you know like Mikey Johnson can be one of the Scotland. You know, like we can get yeah. uh, eight without having James McCarthy kind of thing. So it's probably yeah, going to be that, right? So that kind of, so 9, 32, minus 9, 23. So that means we're allowed 17 uh, non-homegrown uh, players and we've got 23 listed on the website. So this is an issue, right? That means six players are going to be not on there. So if we want to be developing our squad as a squad for Europe, then we have to be, should be, targeting players that are going to qualify for that kind of homegrown uh, player criteria. Uh, now, what happened this week was a rumor emerged uh, that Celtic are in talks, uh, Celtic and Leeds are competing for Ryan Fraser from Newcastle. Now, Ryan Fraser is someone who qualifies for that criteria due to the fact he was at Aberdeen till the age, the age of 19. So, I've spent some time uh, going through a list of players that I think are potentials and you can and I've broken it down into three parts, right? Uh, in terms of realism, so I'll go through the first uh, batch of names. You guys can we can just chat about you know what names jump out at you. So the first batch, anyway, are the ones that I've gone by transfer market value to split it into three. So the top uh, nine names are all players that are ten million euros and above on transfer market. So I'll just run down them. So we've got Andy Robertson, John McGinn. Kieran Tierney, Aaron Hickey, Christoph Iyer, Harry Souter, Nathan Patterson, Scott McKenna, and Josh Doig. Now, they all uh, they all have various uh, you know pieces of information attached in caveats. Andy Robertson's the oldest at twenty nine. John McGinn's twenty eight. In terms of contracts, Scott McKenna's out of contract next year, whereas the rest of them are all twenty five or beyond. Twenty twenty five or beyond. But their transfer mar- uh, values are between 48 and 10 million. So 
Is there any names in that list? Robertson, McGinn, Tierney, Hickey, Ayer, Suter, Patterson, Scott McKenna, or Josh Doig that you think are realistic targets? Paul? No. No. (laughs) Unless there's some legs. Look, unless there's some legs in the Tierney stuff and it refuses to go away, but I still think it's difficult that that can happen unless there's some sort of loan. But as I said before, I think I said this in the pot noodle, I'm not really interested in a loan for Tierney if there's no option to buy, and I don't see how we could afford the option to buy other than the fact we've got a sell-on clause, which we could argue we could knock that back off because we'd be the buyer. Um, but, but I still don't see I still don't see how the maths works on that. Um, but we need homegrown players, and he's Champions League quality. So he is, right? And that's the... So he is Champions League quality. But I... Do I think we are going to spend more than... So I think the maximum we will spend on a, on a one, maybe two. If it's two, 15 on both, or a balance thereof, total fee of 30. If it's one, maybe 20, maybe. But as soon as you're up at that kind of level, wages start to get a bit ridiculous, right? So we don't know where Cal's just gone, you know, 50-ish, maybe 55. I don't know. 60 seems a bit beyond it, but maybe. Um, so that you're, as, that's probably as much, much as we would then pay whoever is, you know, these marquee signings, if we we're going to call them that. Um, I just think that's a stretch. And, and being honest, and without stealing the thunder, you look at the list, I'm not sure how many of them you know, you go with. Um, because as much as we want to progress in the Champions League and homegrown is an issue, you still got 17. You've got 17 other nationalities and Carl is a definite starter. So you've got a, there's a squad of 18. Chuck in a couple of goalkeepers as backup, whatever level they are, you're at 20 couple of kids unless you have a real run of terrible injuries like we've got now you know if most people are fit squads the squad is has enough depth i don't know i like my view is of those who would you spend like who would you spend the money on harry suter's obviously harry look harry suter is the only one to me potentially other than tyranny where you but the problem is look at like it depends what his value is. How much did Leicester pay for him? 20? 15. 15. 15? Yeah. So he got relegated, right? So that's the only reason I think he he could be tempted. He, at 24, he, he's he fits the profile for me. Um but is he bet is he much better or better than Starfield and Carter Vickers if they're both fit? Because if you're spending that amount of money, it's got to be not just to tick the homegrown box. It's got to be to be better than what we've got, or at least better than what we've got. Like, certainly if you're spending, no, on that, I disagree on that top, fundamentally. Sorry, Paul, we just ended up on the that top. Point. On the top. On well, you know, like think of if Man City spending like fifty million pounds in Fabian Delph. That's because they needed homegrown players, right? Why are we exempt from that logic? Well, they've got a lot more money than we have, and I yeah, don't think the point stands right. I don't, I don't think we should be paying, certainly not from this chunk. Uh, the problem is that this top chunk is hefty. That's 
any of those are, is, we're going to beat, you know, break our transfer record. If they're not absolutely first team better than what we've got, I, I think it's a waste of money, to be honest. Um, so, well, I don't disagree with your point about the money, but, and then I'm making the point that they, it would be inflated for that reason. Like these are not ones we'd be considering if they were a no-name player at Getafe, right? Some Spanish kid. He's not going to, we would not be considering the players of this level, this level of talent, apart from maybe like one or two of them, but like not for this money, right? Tommy, any in there for you? Look, for me, I, I reckon Tierney would be the only potential one. And I'm not on the same side, but I would take Tierney on loan for a season if we could come to the, I think it's unlikely. But for me, Tierney solves an instant problem that we talked about about 20, 20 minutes, half an hour ago, you know, in terms of the Champions League. Greg Taylor's a really good player. But for that next level, against Champions League, Champions League quality wingers, who do you want there? Would you rather have Kieran Tierney or would you rather have Greg Taylor? So, and the fact that he's, you know, obviously a diehard Celtic fan, whether we could pick up the wages or not, I'm not sure. But he would be the only one out of that list. Um, I haven't seen enough of Harry Suda to make a, a judgment on whether they'd be worth spending that money. But in terms of buying any of them, it's just out of our market, unfortunately. The loan for Tierney would be the only one I could see potentially. I, t- I guess I know we're speaking about this in terms of, um, you know, the home growing. So that you're, we're making, or it, we're making it a sort of binary, Taylor or Tierney. I'd say it doesn't have to be right it, to fit this argument. It does, but I'd much rather we went and spent another two and a half to three to four million and got an equivalent Alistair Johnson on the left on the left back position in the market. Disagree with that. Doing, in in the markets we've been that. doing well at, but, and. And look, this is what I, this is what where I'm saying, right? To me, is 17 overseas players with a few homegrowns, including Cal, who's a first team starter. Is is that enough, right? For what basically is six games, unless we get on a chat on a on you know unless we get third. Because being honest, unless we get an absolute killer draw, it's unlikely we're going to get second without a fair amount of luck. So. To me, that's what we defeat is that's where we want to achieve. I think it's quite unlikely in this first season under Rogers. If we could get third, it would be a right result, and then we're into the Europa League. Do we? Do I don't? I'm, I, yes, I'm basically, you know, yeah, look, I think, put, uh, look, put my I, cost think mass, the- I don't think homegrown players is a solution for the minute the, the smallish part Europe, Europe plays in our overall season, not this season anyway. And we've got a bigger issue nationally in that as we move down this list. We've got a shortage. Yeah, but in terms of, we've got 23 players that are overseas, right? We've got 17 spots. Uh, Soro, Ayeti, and uh, Scales are all included in that yeah. list, right? So, yeah, so they're going. Right. So, right. But then there's still three you need to lose after that. So, you're after that, you're looking at Kobayashi, maybe? or Yeah, he's, I think, you know, I think he's gone. And then, and then you know, Talio. Talio's next. Talio or, or, or well, Yang. You know, Yang, maybe one of them, you know, probably. Um, Kwon or home that's the next one's up right yeah potentially or Haksibanovic as we've spoken about you know what I mean so there's but bear in mind we're also talking about this um, hypothetically and you know we could still have someone else come in so if for example Tierney did come in then Burnaby disappears doesn't he so you know I suppose it's, I suppose that's a like for like on the on that list but as I'm saying like 17 17 with some backup from local players is that big enough squad for Champions League? 
if you're those not, players, maybe. right? No. If you if if you're those players, the ones that are not making champ, Champions League squads, and you, why would you? You're, you're going out on loan, right? At that point, Ber- if Ber- if we sign Tierney on loan, Burnaby's canned, right? He's going on loan to somewhere for the season. Yeah, that that's kind of the way it has to be managed. But yeah, anyway, so, sorry, uh, just tune out the time here. So that's obviously the top tranche. And you're right, apart from Tierney on loan, it's pretty unrealistic. Uh, to be expecting any of the, those names to come in. I'd love to have Nathan Patterson. I don't care that he used to play for Sevco, but I, I don't think it's realistic. Scott McKenna, if he was half that price, he's listed as 10 million. If he was half that price, I'd take him. He's a left centre-back. I'd love to have him in again. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I wouldn't... I, I'd, I'd, you might pay five or six for him. You, I wouldn't, I'm not paying 10 million for him, not a chance. Yeah, nah. And they've stayed in... They, Nottingham Forest survived relegation, so I don't see him uh, coming. Yeah. Uh, now, this middle list, this is your more realistic targets. Okay, so I'll just run through these names. Ryan Christie, Lewis Ferguson, Billy Gilmore, Ryan Fraser, who we've mentioned, Ryan Gold, Stuart Armstrong, Alvin Ramsey, Jack Hendry. Oh, that one's probably not realistic because he's just moved, but you get the point. Uh, Ross Stewart at Sunderland, Angus Gunn. Norwich and Ryan Porteous. What names there, Tommy? Probably um, a couple. Um, Billy Gilmer potentially on loan. I've liked to. Look. I haven't seen a whole heap of them, but I've liked what I've seen of him in a few times he played um, for Scotland. There was the same thing. He played really well at Wembley in the Euros mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. But um, plus, it would probably wind up on the other side of the city as well. So it'd be quite humorous. But he would be one again. But need to be on loan. Um, I couldn't see his. I mean, it's on here at nine. I reckon he'd probably be more than nine. I don't know. Could be wrong. Um, maybe Stuart Armstrong. Stuart Armstrong thrived. He was another one that really kicked on when Brendan Rodgers came in um, previously. He was a really good sort of box-to-box midfielder, makes those runs in behind that we were talking about earlier. Um, those would probably be the two that sort of I would look at. I know that you mentioned Ryan Fraser, and there's been some talk about that. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen enough of him to, um, to know um, what he would bring to to the table so but yeah probably those two Armstrong and Billy Gilmer for me for me it's Angus Gunn uh, I'd, I've liked what I've seen a lot of him playing for Scotland I'm, does he qualify as home That's, I wasn't sure if he was, oh, he was homegrown he doesn't I don't oh, think right. he does because uh, he's, he's come right. through Norwich's he ranks has he not sorry I just went to the Scotland national team and chucked him on you're right Angus Gunn yeah. does not qualify my bad I think fact, we had a fact, dialogue with fact, this across a while back. So yeah, we did. Um, You're right. It's been he's Not been bad. floated around a f- by, by a few places for this reason, but he, he doesn't qualify. So You're right. Yeah. Same with Scott McTominay. Yeah, those ones don't yeah. qualify even though they're Scottish. My bad. Apologies for that. But yeah, so Definitely not Angus Gunn then. Uh, Ryan Fraser is an interesting one because he's 29. So like, yeah, maybe one or two more seasons at top level. So probably one that's on loan. And he's still got two years left in his contract in Newcastle. Billy Gilmore, you mentioned. Again, so even though I said I would take Tierney on loan, that's more because it seems like it might be a problem position. Whereas to me, centre mid is not so much a problem position. So unless we lose Hitati or Riley, I'd be only wanting Billy Gilmore in a permanent position. Same. Christy or Armstrong, I would take one of uh, in terms of us because they are good enough and are homegrown. Uh, it's not what I'd be hoping for in terms of developing the future, but for this season, that they would be a positive addition, I think, to um, the It's neither. Look, 
uh, Armstrong more appealing than than Christie for me. Um, but it's both a bit of to me. It's a bit of a, a bit of a backward step. There's no real. There's no resale value. Um, so are we loading them? Not, you're right. Yeah. Are we, loading them? <laughs> are we? Are we gonna? Are we? Are we buying them? Are we spending that kind of money on them? They're kicking around here. At, I don't know. Christie at what? I mean, nine. Good luck. Uh, Armstrong at six. Now Armstrong's only got a year left on his contract. But apparently he's committed to uh, yeah. But apparently Armstrong's committed to to sticking with Southampton, um, even in uh, even in the championship. So I, I would say both those guys' wages would be a problem. That we you know, albeit there's money in the bank. As I said earlier, I think that money can be invested better elsewhere, and we take our chances with a slightly less deep squad for for Champions League or for Europe. Um, I, I feel like. You know, there's an element of 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 taking people just for, for the sake of it. Um, and I get I get the homegrown; it's one out, one in, one out. But if it's for somebody that's already or recently been added to the squad, you know, if it's like a second choice winger, you know, pushes one of the young guys we've just bought out of the squad for Europe, doesn't say a lot for how we how we think about them. So, um, I'll get pelters for this, but the two that the two in that section that I like are Ferguson and Gilmore. But to the point, you know, they're both. They're both fair amount of money and they're an area where we're pretty well covered for. So unless people are leaving, you know, Gilmore, I think is definitely good enough. Um, question marks about Ferguson. I've, we've heard good things about him. Um, I think he's Linkery. a boy, yeah. Um, uh, who's he been linked with? Is it Juventus? Uh, I don't know. Wonder, is that Juventus, Juventus or Milan? It's one of those yeah, two. yeah. So... Um, so he's clearly doing okay. Again, both of those guys, 22 and 24. So again, they fit the profile, two or three good seasons, sell them for a bigger profit, even if you outlay money. Um, but it's an area we're pretty well covered. So you're kind of, to me, this is a kind of two birds with one stone type of exercise. Um, and I'm not sure that the level of outlay is worth the extra bang for buck in terms of they take a box for, for the homegrown element, but let's crack on with the next part of the list. Yeah, in, in ter- I'm not. I don't really. Uh, I mean, I do sometimes, but in terms of Christie and Armstrong, I don't. I don't apply the. It's a step backwards thing. I, I just look at it as what you're saying about the age profile as well. I, I would just think of it as a kind of short term. As in, again, again, we would not be signing these players unless we had an issue with tenor. And that's. That's, that's an issue, uh, but it's, it's an issue that's been long-term and we're now uh, having to deal with in the short-term, right? So we're now paying the price for this, right? And that Turnbull is hanging around because we, we need to uh, probably gets a three-year contract because we need to hit the core. It, just before we move on to the next one, just specifically around Calvin Ramsey, it could be a one-in-one-out for upgrade on Anthony Ralston if... Calvin Ramsey has progressed since he was at Aberdeen. Now, what I've seen of him when he was at Aberdeen, he's, he's not better than, than Ralston was at the time. And it might be that he's gone down to Liverpool and been found out, kind of like Danny Ralston did. Uh, but if he's improved at Liverpool, I'd be thinking of him as a right back uh, in terms of... Yeah, I guess it just depends what kind of... I think, you know, it depends what kind of money he's listed here as five. Um, you know... Has he played any any games for Liverpool? You know, at, at any kind of level? Do you spend five million um, on a twenty year old because he's been sold by Aberdeen to 
to Liverpool. I don't, I don't know. But I, I, look, I agree that he's... To me, I'm looking at the ones with the right age profile and an area of the pitch that we need further resource. And he ticks a box on there. Same as Patterson, but I think Patterson's a bit more money. So the bottom of this list here is, your, is, is kind of your dregs, and I don't expect you to jump in too many of these names. Uh, so I'll, I'll run through them relatively quickly and you can see if there's a case to be made for it, for any of them, really. Um, so all under 2 million and under in terms of value. We've got Martin Boyle, Jackson Irvin, who I believe is a free agent, uh, Kevin Nisbet, Lawton Shankland, Scotland's backup strikers. Then we've got the backup goalkeepers for Scotland, Xander Clark and Liam Kelly. Uh, just gone to Sturm Graz, Max Johnston, so that's probably less relevant now. Uh, Danny Armstrong at Kilmarnock and Lennon Miller at Motherwell, 16-year-old. He doesn't technically qualify yet, but I guess that's the argument, right? Do we start looking at future squads now? Tell me, any of those that you would potentially have in, or is it all just... No. No, when you get into that level, um, going going back to Paul's earlier point about the squad size, I think the the squad size of 17 or 18 for Champions League is is a bit skinny um, to to rely on. So we definitely need some more quality. But um, if you get to the bottom of that list, then I'd I'd rather be seeing some of the young guys that we've actually seen in pre-season and sort of have been on the fringes in in the last 12, 18 months. Ben Summers, um, McPherson. I quite like the look of, um, I think, Daniel Kelly when he came on against Yokohama and he played in the mm-hmm. midfield. I quite like the look of him. So, no, if you get down to that point, then no, I would rather that we keep the money in the bank and um, give the young kids an opportunity, to be honest, than spend the money in an area of the pitch where we need it that isn't necessarily Scottish. Paul, any there that you could make a case for? Well, Rumour has it there was interest in Max Johnston, but obviously That's he right. was, you know, and, and he would have been a good signing. I, I think he's an upgrade on Ralston and he could have, he would have pushed, he would have pushed um, Alistair Johnston. And let's be honest, look, Alistair Johnston's probably not going to hang around for, if he keeps the trajectory up that he's come in his first sort of six months, he won't be there for that much long, maybe a season or two more. And then he's gone. Like he's already 24, I think. So, you know, if he's going to get a move to the Premier League, he's going to want to get there at 25, 26, you'd think. Um, so year or two. So so we we kind of, and that's why I like the fact, you know, a lot of people moan that we're projects. Um, but guys like Quan, Tilio, Home, Yang, now not all of them are potentially going to come good, but to me, they are, they're the, if you get it right, they're the next wave that replace, you know, Hatati, O'Reilly, uh, Abada, Jota's already gone. You know, made us sign a long term deal, so hopefully he's around and he's a bit well, a bit older. Same with Kyogo. Um, but you know, that's that's the squad sort of development. So you've already got the replacement, you know, when you sell somebody for bigger bucks. Um of that list, the only one that interests obviously Max Johnson's already gone to Storm Graz, so he's he's off. But I, you know, I liked I liked his profile. I like Danny Armstrong as a player for the SPL FL, but I don't think he's he's going to add anything we haven't got and we're now got three or four right wingers. So um, I like Lennon Miller actually. Um, now mm-hmm. 16 year old, really raw, but had a lot of game time for Motherwell. I have a kid of that age. Is he an upgrade or no? No, probably not. But is he, to, to your point, is he a player? And the problem we're at, we're spending this amount of time discussing, is he a player that we could get in and sort of develop? His, his problem is 
you know, and and to this issue, if we bought him, if he was even willing to come, you'd probably immediately loan him back to Motherwell or somebody else where he's going to get first team yeah. football. And then at some point further down the, the track, he's if he makes the grade, he's potentially pushing for a, a squad place as that second or third striker and eventually adding to it. So he's he, he you know, he's one he's one we should be should be on the radar, but he'll be on the radar of lots of clubs and, and unfortunately he'll you know, at some point somebody will offer him more bucks than we'll we'll be willing to spend and he'll probably end up elsewhere. But of that list, he's he's the only one that we interest. I guess going back to the earlier point, we you know, to me, 17 non Scottish or, or Scottish trained or Celtic trained or kids. So that's 17. McGregor, Taylor, Turnbull, and probably Ralston currently is four. So it's just squad up to 21. And then you can have pretty much all the kids you want from the B team. So, yeah. It, it's the, not the only like, one to. The only one to me in that last list that makes any sense it would be Liam Kelly as an upgrade on Scott Bain, and that's it. Mm. Right. We see that, that that's the thing because at the minute we're unless you know we're talking about to to one of those homegrowns you could have Bain and then a kid, but really you're then banking or and and that's if Hart still stays. If if we get a replacement or a challenger for Hart, then clearly those two are one and two in whichever order that ends up. And Bain then has to be three. But the only other thing risk you would take to free up some space would be to to drop Seagrist and put Bain and a Scottish kid, and then you've got two of those spots full. Um, but to me, that seems too much of a risk, especially if it's Hart at 36 years old, who, you know, if he gets an injured, then you're absolutely goosed in terms of goalkeeper cover, and I don't think we want to take that risk. If, if you squint really hard, Tommy, can you see maybe Nisbet, like... Say we're really desperate. We just want, you know, we can't fill our eight players. We've only got seven. If you squint really hard, could you see a spot for Nisbet as the eighth? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't seen. To be honest, I haven't. When I've seen him play, he hasn't really done enough for me to say that he would um, be, you know, even at the Scott McDonald level for us um, uh, in terms of the league and and um, Europe. But maybe I haven't seen enough of him. Um, but yeah, just none of those names sort of jump off the page at me to make a case for just just buying them for the sake of getting a homegrown quota. I think that's the challenge, right? It's a real the, the the thing. The issue you've got here is you're buying them to make a homegrown quota for the Champions League, and you're going, yeah. would you want them in the Champions League squad? Would you want them anywhere near it? Can they add any more than a B team player, right? And you know, and I mean not well, like like for like they're obviously better, but the chances of them actually being used. You know, do you not just risk a kid? You know, as as because it's really we're talking about topping up our bench here, aren't we? This is what we're talking about. We're topping up our bench, or is it somebody that can actually challenge and be better than the first team? And I think that that list sort of there's not much on that list that we can either realistically afford that would make the first team better, or then if they are potentially first team ready. You know, it's almost much of a muchness with the guy that, and the only different, you know, it's positive, you know, it's positive action, isn't it, to to put a Scottish player in over a Japanese or a Korean or another nationality. And if we're going to do that, especially because you're going to pay a premium premium on fee, it's got to be a bit of an upgrade. And I'm not sure too many of these are. Especially when you get to the bottom of the list. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, but I, think, look, I, I think the point there is that we've got to play a longer game on this and we, there's been a, an endemic failure on that. And some of that's outside of our control, right? Look at somebody like Ben Doak who scored in the friendly mm-hmm. in Singapore um, last night, I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's starting to make the grade and, and you know, we... Yeah, but he's... And he's gave him game no time. Like, well, Barry he, Hepburn's he, back on loan at Queen's Park, right? From Bayern Munich. He, <laughs> But like, yeah, some of the, but you know, they're not all going to make it, right? But when the ones that are, like, they're, like and these guys are going to make a career in football, right? They're just not going to make it at the absolute elite level. But when you get somebody like Ben Doak at 16, you've given him his debut, you know, you've wanted to make him a part of the first team squad. He's getting game time and you've put a pretty good offer as far as Celtic are concerned in front of him. But then Liverpool come along. Like, there's not too much you can do about that. So this is why, and and this is a broader point, it's worth making, the homegrown rule as a squad number to me is an absolute joke. It's an it's yet another U- UEFA. Yeah. yeah, well, it's 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 a dud rule that that, that impacts certain countries worse than you know. We're a population of five million in Scotland. England's are a population of sixty million, and it's the same rule. It's the same amount of players. Like, how does that make sense? It doesn't. Like, it 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 it's a to me, it's an absolute nonsense of a rule. Um, I know why it's there to try and encourage it, but it. What it leads to is clubs try to game the system. You know, your point, Fabian Delph for 50 million. Nonsense. Us talking Mm -hmm. about, do we maybe buy an Isbit to sit him on our bench for the champion? Like, it's the the problem is the rule doesn't work. And therefore, Mm -hmm. you know, teams trying to game the system. Um, And certainly for us, like, if we look at it, there's a a pecking order to youth development. Our best youth are going to get plucked off by leagues and clubs that are richer than us and can stockpile players and loan them back out and then it doesn't really matter if most of them don't make the grade. So we've then got to go and look at other youth team systems like we did with Fringpong, Fringpong at City, Champ, we pick up these players who have been on the books, aren't going to make the grade there, we get them, they get a hefty sell on but then we make a profit on them and play them and but that doesn't. That's not going to help the the homegrown player situation. So there's there's multiple issues at hand here, and and like I said, like 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 my theme is, I don't think unless you're going to fundamentally improve the first team or the first team squad, then it's worth you know try to jam a square peg in a round hole and pay over the odds for it as well. Hmm. Tommy, do you want to say something there? No, I was just when I was uh, when he sent out the the list earlier today. I had a look and there was something um, a couple of months ago I read it. It was an article in Politico and they're talking about um, one of these uh, legal advisors to the, the Court of Justice and the European Union has um, suggested that there's going to be some challenges coming into that to that rule and because it is unfair to the point that Paul just made. Um, I think it's a Royal Antwerp or something in, in, in Belgium, Belgium um, had raised it. So hopefully they do review it because... Um, it would say, as you said, we're particularly dis- disadvantaged being in a, such a smaller nation uh, than, than others. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it Definitely. does change. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you guys. And, and the only thing they've done so far is put a limit on how many uh, players teams can send out on loan, which is hardly going to stop them stockpiling youth players. It's just going to mean the youth players are sitting in the reserves instead they're going to. Yeah, they loan. don't get to go anywhere. <laughs> it's not going to disincentivize Chelsea or Man City from stockpiling youth players, right? Not at all. They're just going to have to choose which ones. But anyway, um, we are well over our hour, so we'll probably wrap up there. Any quick final, fo- uh, final thoughts, Paul, before we go? 
A couple of music-related things. So, yeah, I mentioned that we were at the Inspiral Carpets on Saturday. They are playing shows in the East Coast this week. Um, Don't know when this will go out because obviously it's not live, but if it goes out in the next couple of days, I think they're playing shows Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne across the back half of this week. So if you're a fan of the Inspiral Carpets and you're not aware of it, go see them. Uh, And, yeah, my music recommendation of the week is uh, Blar's new album, uh, The Ballad of Darren, which came out in the last week or so. Um, Long time since we've had a Blur album. We've had... Uh, we've had Damon Albarn albums and we've had um, Gorillaz albums, but why else is we had a Blur album? And um, yeah, it's up there as you would expect. So yeah, The Ballad of Darren by Blur, um, out on all good streaming services and vinyl, no doubt, um, is my recommendation of the week. Oh, good. And uh, Tommy, any other final so, thoughts from yourself? Well, very similar theme to, to Paul in that um, I was going to recommend Blur's um, single, The Narcissist, off the, off the new album, because I think that's an absolute perla listen to the, the rest of the album only once it's not really grabbed me yet but yeah that that's the, the narcissist is definitely worth getting into and um the snuts who i've mentioned before on this podcast they're coming to australia and um, over on the east coast in a couple of weeks i um, heading over there with my daughter so they'll be in melbourne on saturday the 12th and then i think they head up to sydney and brisbane after that so if you're in that those neck of the woods the snuts good glasgow band a lot of good tunes and um, get some tickets for them and welcome to Anthony, who's decided to join us for signing off time. <laughs> uh, Anthony, anything you'd like to add before we, we wrap up here? Sorry. It's been a challenge tonight. Um, finally got everything working, finally, literally, at the end of the, the, the broadcast. But um, yeah, I just hope we get off to a flyer this weekend. So I'll, um, I'll be back ready and raring next Monday night, and we'll go then. Thanks, uh, Anthony. Apologies uh, for everyone that missed out on your dulcet tones tonight. Uh, as we mentioned, we've got Ross County at home this Saturday, 7.30pm WA time, which will be 9.30 on the East Coast, I believe, and 12.30 in Scotland, and you can work out your respective time zones from then. I'm sure the Potnado guys will do a proper preview of that after the Bobal game, uh, which is tomorrow. Um, the only other thing I'll say is a belated happy birthday to my siblings, Owen and Ryan, who uh, had a, their shared birthday a couple of days ago. Uh, they are twins, so happy birthday, Owen and Ryan. And apart from that, can you please like, subscribe, follow us on all of the social medias? I think we also have the new one, which has not been added to our thing yet, uh, the threads, uh, in addition to Instagram, Facebook youtube twitter so please like this video please subscribe and thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back hopefully live next week to review the ross county game hey well hey well hey well Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.